Realtor.com is making a stand for buyer representation, and you can too. Join Realtor.com in sharing the list of 111 things buyer's agents do. Visit Realtor.com slash buyer agent toolkit to help spread the word. Buyer agents are essential. In this special edition of the Real Trending Podcast, we're speaking to real estate leaders on how their businesses are adapting to the new market, their keys to success, and more. This is Tracy Velt, Editor-in-Chief of Content for Real Trends. Today, we're speaking to Tommy Brigham and Bo Beavis, co-founders of ARC Realty in Birmingham, Alabama. Welcome, Tommy and Bo. Thank, Thank you, Tracy. Yeah, so we'll start at the beginning. Tell me a little bit about your background and your brokerage and your geographic footprint. Uh, I'll start, and Bo, you can go from there. Um, well, my my background is I started in the real estate business in 1974 and was originally involved in the resort industry and became part of on-site sales and resort development in the skiing industry. And in 1979, moved back to Birmingham, my original hometown, and started selling real estate in Birmingham. And in 82, I started my first company called Brigham Williams, and we uh, grew over a period of time, and eventually uh, Brigham Williams and another company called Johnson, Rast and Hayes formed Realty South in the late 90s, 1998. And Realty South at that time was the largest residential company in in uh, Alabama. And <clears throat> my partner, unfortunately, uh, got sick with pancreatic cancer, and we ended up selling the company in 2002 to Home Services. And I stayed with Home Services running Realty South for uh, five years, and at the end of my five years, decided I really wanted to do something different, so I took a, some time off with how to non-compete and uh, did some other things in, in the real estate business, more on the investment side, and then our, uh, Bo and I got together with uh, uh, another woman named Michelle Wilder and uh, a man named Dale McIntyre, and the four of us founded uh, ARC Realty and uh, really kind of launched and January 1st, 2013, and we're now uh, in uh, Montgomery, Alabama. We have two locations in the central part of Alabama in the River Region and have uh, five locations in Metro Birmingham, and we're pushing up towards 400 agents at this point in in time, and uh, so we're in kind of a new season in life for both of us. Okay, great. And Bo, tell me a little bit about yourself. Thank you. Um, so I've been in the business about 25 years now, and I started in the new construction world, new construction sales, uh, site selection, site development, those aspects of it, and then moved more into the uh, resale uh, part of the business and was then moved into brokerage and started Tommy actually hired me and I was a broker for him at Realty South for a number of years and then uh, we started Arc Realty together so it's amazing how fast 25 years have passed yeah that's wonderful so obviously um covid-19 happened and the country's starting to reopen uh, tell me a little bit about how your business was impacted and how you're doing today you take that Bo. Okay. Uh, so when COVID started, 
uh, mid-March for us in, in central Alabama is really when we started seeing the impacts. We had two great uh, weeks of March, and then things started significantly slowing down with uh, municipalities starting to close. Fortunately for us in Alabama, we were deemed essential, so we never uh, really had to close uh, real estate transactions. We did close our offices and went remote with our staff. Uh, for about eight weeks. So during that time, we were, as a company and an MLS, we were up over 20% in closed volume uh, year-to-date on the second week of March. So April came. We were down, as a company, about 25% in closings. Uh, The MLS was a little bit over 30%. And then our listing count was down about 30% in April. May came, we were down about 25% in uh, closed volume from previous May. Uh, MLS was down about 38%, and our listings were, as a company were down about 38%. Uh, June is a real bright mm-hmm. spot for us. So June, we will be 25% over our last June. And the question that Tommy and I keep asking ourselves, is this pent-up demand? For, from what didn't happen in April and May, or is this this new trend of uh, real estate with people taking advantage of these low interest rates? And uh, July, we feel like we'll really tell the story for the rest of the year. Currently, as a company, our July numbers appear to be about flat with where they were last year. So we are we're very positive uh, in what we're seeing as far as a trend goes. The um, market as a whole, we have just a significant shortage of inventory. We are right at three months of inventory, maybe a little under that. Multiple offer situations are uh, just ever an issue every day with buyers trying to get in and you know having 19 showings the first day on the market and 13 offers and things like that. So our, our market is extremely hot from a buyer standpoint. That's great. It sounds like you guys are recovering um, quickly. I'm glad to hear that. Um, so obviously some things have changed, though, and a lot of brokers are, are putting new protocols into place, um, like showing protocols that require masks or gloves or, uh, or possibly continuing Zoom meetings um, or Zoom one-on-ones with agents. Tell me some of the things that you're you're doing that are different than pre-COVID-19. Right. Tommy, you want me to run through that? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Uh, so new protocols that we've put in place, It's it's been an amazing experiment of forcing people to use technology. Uh, we see our agents that were a bit resistant to just for example, paperless pipeline in turning in documents to the office and using DocuSign to communicate with buyers and sellers. If you want to be in business right now, you've had to adapt to those new systems. So it's it's been a good thing in a lot of ways that it, it has forced people to learn new technology skills. Um, we have put in a pretty strict showing protocol. We want to stay... Uh, deemed, I guess, better said, essential in the state of Alabama as real estate professionals. So we, all of our agents carry a card with them and leave behind in the house that they show uh, that we wore gloves, we 
wore masks, we had hand sanitizer, and the protocols as a company that we use when we when we show property. Uh, coming out of this too, we are asking ourselves, Tommy and I, we're sitting in 10,000 square feet and there's probably 15 people here today. So we're realizing that we can do business a little more virtual and be just as efficient in that. Uh, as far as our office and sales business <laughs> meetings go, we are uh, total Zoom. We do everything uh, with Zoom. We average, you know, depending on the week, uh, about 100 people on our sales and training, our sales calls. Training is about half that. We do a training call every afternoon at 2 o'clock, and it's just various topics. Sales meetings once a week at uh, 9 a.m. on Tuesdays, and the attendance to those are very good. We have no uh, plans in the near term to have any in-person meetings. Okay, great. Now, I know this answer will be different for each of you, and there are, I'm sure you've learned a lot of lessons adapting to kind of a virtual market, but you've likely learned some lessons along the way while building, well, for Tommy, multiple brokerages. Um, so tell me, what are, what are one of your top lessons learned for each of you? Tommy? Well, this is Tommy. Yeah, I would say that uh, first and foremost, it's not really a lesson learned, but it just uh, ratifies what you already knew, and that's that this is uh, a relationship business. And our focus has been on our agents and how do we create that strong relational fabric and give them the tools and the technology virtually so that they can be the best they can be in the field. And so we, I, I think it's just really ratified what we already knew, that we are a relationship-driven business, that it's all about your culture. And... Uh, if you're focused on your culture and your relationships internally, that externally manifests itself in a way that allows you to have a level of success that uh, you hope for, but uh, is obvious now that we've gone through this pandemic or, and are still going through the pandemic that uh, we've been able to strengthen our culture and strengthen our relationships in a way that uh, I, I wouldn't say it su surprised me, but it just really uh, ratified what we internally knew, but, uh, it was. Uh, it's really a uh, it, candidly. It's, it to me. It it just uh, gives me a great deal of joy to see that our industry is so strong because of the strength of the personal relationships. And ARC stands for a relationship company. Anyway, that's an acronym. So we're dr we're driven by the fact that we are we are committed to our relational fabric, both civically and obviously internally with our agent population. Great. And, Bo, what about you? Lessons learned. Well, I'll give Tommy a lot of credit in this. When we started the, the company, his MO and our our uh, letterhead should say this. It doesn't, but it is the agent is our customer. And that is one thing that he drilled in my head. The agent is our customer. So, you know, when you look at transactions, we'll do 36, 3,700 transactions this year. Tommy and I will just meet a handful of those transactions. But we see our agents every day, and it's our job to treat that agent just as if they were one of those 3,600 transactions, and they are our customer. So that puts the pressure on us to supply what they need. And at the end of the day, we none of us in the brokerage world like to say this, but we're a marketing company, and we just so, so happen to have a really good culture in our marketing company. 
So we took the direction a few years ago, and we hired a chief marketing officer who's done a tremendous job as as an independent brokerage. You know, we create our own content, and it's up to us to educate our agents and how to use the latest technology and how to stay, you know, the basis of our company, ARC, a relationship company. How do we train every day for agents to stay in front of their database? And at the end okay. of the day, too, all we've got left really is the uh, uh, is the relationship with the client. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and Tommy, I'm going to start with you on this next one. Um, what was your aha moment as it pertains to growing? Um, it doesn't necessarily this brokerage, but um, any of the brokerages that you helped grow. Well, that's an easy one. Uh, I, when I was selling real estate, you know, like so many of, of my generation that started in the 70s, here's a phone, here's a desk, good luck, good luck kid. There wasn't much training. There weren't, wasn't any technology. So you had to really get out there and figure out how to do it yourself. Along the lines of that period of time, it began to dawn on me that, that the broker really didn't have that much interaction with the public. It was really the salespeople that had the interaction with the public. So in my first start, start with the first company I started in 82, uh, we had this cheesy little sign in the office uh, that said, the agent is my customer and trust is something you earn. And they were actually, I think we trademarked them. And uh, you'd walk in the office and what I, what my aha was is that, if we focused on that agent development where the agent was was our customer, was my customer in that, in that context, and provided the training, the, the backroom, backroom platforms back then, it was different than today, um, all those uh, ancillary commitments to helping them be the most successful they could be, that it would provide the platform for real growth. And as we began to communicate that in that early, in my early phase in, in real estate development, uh, you know, agents talk to other agents. They become your megaphone in the marketplace. And our growth was a lot more organic growth than merger and acquisition growth because of agent to agent saying, you know, this is a great experience. Come over here and work in this culture. And as you know, recruiting is pretty fierce in this business. So it helps when your agents are happy campers and they, they know that you really love them and care for them and, and that that manifests itself in a way in the marketplace that it's kind of hard to uh, quantify, really. And so that that to me was my high moment was recognizing the agent really was my customer. Okay, great. And Bo, what about you? I really echo everything Tommy said. I think the only thing I can add to that for for me more on the operations side of things. The aha moment I realized a few years ago is we were spending so much money. Um, really branding the company in the marketplace. And I realized once we started getting some size that our best branding was our yard sign and our directional. And let's take some of those dollars that we were spending on branding and create those platforms for agents to then plug in their database to. And that allowed us to hire more people in our marketing department to really create custom pieces and, um, pieces just for the brokerage in general for the agent to touch their customer. Okay, great. Um, you said that you built your business mostly with organic growth. Um, have you done any mergers and acquisitions, and how has your growth strategy evolved through the years? And, Tommy, we'll start with you. 
that's a great question. Um, you know, with the, the, my first start with Brigham Williams, uh, that was really organic growth. We did some very, very small, what I call tuck-ins. And then, of course, when we formed uh, Realty South in 1998, we had about 250 agents, and I think they, Johnson Rass had 400. So we instantly became a fairly sizable organization. And from that, we ended up uh, merging with or uh, the next largest company in Birmingham, First Real Estate, and another smaller company in a, in a niche market. And so we ended up around 1,000 agents through merger acquisition development. And I guess when I left, we had about 1,400 agents in 28 locations. So it was a pretty sizable company. And when I stepped away, it was really interesting to look back and say, well, what did I do right? What did I do wrong? Well, the lessons learned because uh, there's nothing like being able to do some uh, self-evaluation when you got three years on the sidelines. And I realized that the, the real way to grow an organization to me is that organic growth wh where you're establishing the value of your culture and people are either going to be attracted to that culture or they're not. But if they come into that culture, and they, they really enjoy working in, in, in a environment and a culture where you're really putting them ahead of yourself. It, you, we, I tell the agents all the time that uh, we have a basic philosophy. We're going to do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, we're going to serve them above ourselves. And if we ever quit doing that, then we're, we, we'll lose our compass. And they have the right and permission to come in Bose in my office anytime and say, hey, we're getting off base of what the core values are. And I, I think that, to me, is, is a lesson that, that I learned in this sort of long journey over 40-some-odd years uh, it, that being said, we had an opportunity to do a, an acquisition down in Montgomery uh, several years ago, and uh, we took advantage of, of doing that as a as a as an acquisition, and added about uh, 100 agents to our platform, and we're, we're the number one company in the Montgomery River region by a fair amount, and so that helped us in, in this particular strategic way. But it was really out of our indigenous market, which is Metro Birmingham, by going into the Montgomery market. The, the only thing I would add to that is when we started looking and had some opportunities for mergers, uh, the, the aha moment or the piece of advice just in, in growing was truly find that like-kind uh, culture. And culture is something that's very hard to change and just grow to grow was not our goal. We wanted to. We didn't necessarily want to be the biggest. We just wanted to be the best. So I think we have chosen our opportunities very wisely and have got some really good partnerships in in how we have um, grown and merged with other companies, particularly in that Montgomery market. Okay, great. Um, so let's talk about challenges. And Bo, I'll start with you. Um, what is your greatest challenge in the business? I think our greatest challenge in the business is is truly how do we provide the level of service that the agents expect and demand, and and at the same time give them the splits and in their commission splits that they want. That is a hard balance in us because the agents the pressure of the competing brokerages just locally and nationally is to give that higher split, higher split, and then bill back services. Well, we try not to build many services back to our agents, but I would say, you know, we have so much pressure on company dollar 
to produce internally material and staff services to the agents. And then um, we also have competitors knocking on our door. Hey, if you come over here, we'll give you a higher split. So it, it, we, we, Tommy and I both say we're never going to be the cheapest deal in town. We do think you get the most for your buck here. But if it's just about price, we may not be your brokerage. So I, I think that's one of the constant challenges that we have. Okay. Tommy, you have anything to add to that? Oh, I think he said it perfectly well. Uh, I would say that the it, it, that is the single biggest challenge, uh, pressure on uh, company dollar, and that's why for us to be successful in this industry, you have to have ancillary businesses like mortgage and title and other related services. And I'd say the other part is that technology is always changing, and it puts pressure on you to adapt to that technology. And, you know, with the outside uh, aggregators out there aggregating data, we try and tell our agents they're never going to aggregate the data exactly right, and this is, everything is local and, and everything's relational. So you have to be the single best interpreter of that data. But the challenge is always helping them understand how to interpret the data and put themselves in a position with the way technology comes at such, such a fast pace in your life. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so we, you touched a little bit about recruiting earlier. Um, obviously, finding good agents and keeping them is vital to your business. So what is your philosophy? And tell me what you're doing to recruit and retain great agents. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'll, I'll take that initially. Um, yep. You know, uh, again, it's going to get back to what we talked about earlier. I think your culture is your best best recruiter. And if the if the agent population is are, are happy campers and they know that you're doing everything you can to provide them the tools and the technology and the background services that allow them to be successful, they'll be your megaphone in the marketplace. And as they're interacting in, in co-op situations, invariably agents talk to agents. And so we found our best way of recruiting has, has been agent-to-agent relationships. And so philosophically, we focus on, on first and foremost, our internal uh, agents. They're who we recruit all the time. We're recruiting them 24-7 because we want them to know we uh, love them, care for them, and that they're, they're the most important thing in our, in our, in our business success. <clears throat> and from that, Parenthetically, they go out and literally, and I say it all the time, you are our megaphone, and whatever you say, good or bad, is going to be a reflection of what who we really are. And uh, I think our growth is a testimony to our agents being really great recruiters for us. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, Bo, you have anything to add to that? Well, just the quick things is uh, – when Tommy and I have the opportunity to recruit somebody, we, we've had a lot of success in recruiting from outside of our industry. Uh, former medical people, former educators, we have a number of uh, retired principals and teachers in our company that have done extremely well. Uh, we have a few attorneys that have left the legal world to come into real estate. And Tommy and I have made some pretty big commitments to these people in, for them to leave that steady income. Uh, you know, we've, we've had to, uh, for a few of them, guarantee the fact that, hey, we, if you make less than what you did in your previous career, we'll bridge the difference. Uh, that was a big commitment on our part to get some of these people to make the make the jump from their steady paycheck to get into a commission-based sales um, situation. 
as far as retention goes, I think today's a great example for us. Um, we, we try to create opportunities for our agents constantly to touch their database. And we have today uh, 1,300 watermelons are delivered to our office. And it's an mm-hmm. opportunity for the agents to come by and pick up those watermelons and do that pop by with the magnet stuck to the side of the watermelon and leave it on their client's uh, door. And so when they get home from their day, they see something that's positive and happy and not a bill in the mailbox, but yet somebody thought enough of me to leave uh, leave me something positive. So that, that's just a great example of how we retain is we are constantly trying to create opportunities for the agents to stay in touch with their database. Okay, great. My final question is, um, where do we go from here? Where do you see the most opportunity in real estate brokerage in the coming year? Well, from a pure, purely from just an overall standpoint, from from what we're we're trying to accomplish is, uh, we need to start developing uh, more depth in our ancillary ser- services. We have a title company, and we're getting ready to start a mortgage company. And, uh, those businesses will be very very important to our success because of the ability to create uh, ancillary cash flow in order to support what you really love to do, and that's residential real estate business. And we have a small commercial arm that's also uh, engaged in the Birmingham area. But really I see our opportunity being focused on developing our ancillary businesses and to continue what we do and focus on agent as our customer. Okay. Bo? Yeah, I, I I think an opportunity for us is what we're seeing within our country right now. So many communities trying to support local businesses, and we are a locally owned business. We're the largest locally owned uh, real estate brokerage in the state of Alabama. So I think we have uh, that's a big attractor for a lot of agents to want to work for somebody that the dollars stay in Alabama. And I think there's a large number of buyers and sellers that want to work with a brokerage that is is owned in Alabama, and the same goes for them. Those dollars will be kept in Alabama, what the company generates. Um, It is an opportunity in the marketplace. I think there's such vertical integration in our business, and that's what Tommy was talking about. The agent and the consumer, the fewer people they have to interact with in a real estate transaction, the better. And if we have that streamlined closing operation, title operation, mortgage operation, uh, it run properly, it can be a very streamlined, or not quite as much stress on the agent and the consumer um, when you have those services. Okay. Great. Well, it sounds like you guys have a lot going on. Um, Thank you for joining the Real Trends podcast today. You've offered some great information. I think brokers will really benefit from hearing some of what you've been through and what you're doing. So I appreciate you sharing that. Well, we, we, we are an open book. Us on and we are indeed. <laughs>